0: Well, good morning. It is certainly good to see you all here this morning, and I'm I'm glad I could be with you. Thank you for inviting me to come. I wanted to just tell you a little bit about myself, so you know who I am, since I'll be here with you again next week, and uh, I won't have to do that again next week. So, but um, I'm my wife Debbie over there. she's say hi to everybody, Debbie. She, she said some of you she recognizes you may recognize her from a ladies' conference. She speaks at ladies conferences all over with the state convention. So she's always more recognizable than me. But we have been married twenty four years, and yes, praise God, she stuck with me that long. And we have three uh, wonderful children who have now all moved out of the house. I praise God for that too. We are Uh, We are rather enjoying the empty nest. I told her the other day, I said, you know, honey, I said, "Uh, this is kind of like being newlyweds, only we don't have to put up with all the stuff that newlyweds put up with, so I'm enjoying that. (laughs) But we have three kids. One lives in Nashville, and he is uh, down there. He's getting ready to get married in December. And one lives here in New Albany, and that's my daughter in nursing school and she just got married. And then I have a son who just went in the Air Force, and he is right now in Texas at Lackland Air Force Base, and all three of them want to pursue ministry with their lives. So they're, they're all destined to that, I suppose. But at any rate, it's, it's good to be with you. I do work with the State Convention of Baptists in Indiana and the North American Mission Board, and I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Let's open our Bibles together to the book of John in chapter 7. And we'll be looking at just three verses in this passage today. We'll be looking at verses 37 through 39. This is a passage where Jesus speaks of being the water of life. And it says here this, it says in verse 37, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to Me and drink. He who believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this He spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So in this passage, now I want us to kind of just set the stage so that we understand where it is. In this passage, Jesus is at the last day of the feast of Tabernacles. And the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, what they would do every day of this feast is the priest would come in and they would bring water. They would make a, a quite a deal of bringing water from the Pool of Siloam, marching it over to the temple complex and pouring this water from the Pool of Siloam on the altar. And the last day of the feast, the great day of the feast, they would do this in double portion. So they would bring this water over And they would dump it on the altar from the pool of Siloam. And Jesus then, standing supposedly, it would seem almost in ankle-deep water here, somewhere in the temple complex here, He would be standing. And He cried out. He cried out with a loud voice. And He says this, He says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. Come to Me and drink. But see, thirst is a requirement. Let me me sort of explain what I mean. As I think about Him being the water of life, it reminds me of a story that I saw on a documentary recently about a water bottling company, which I won't name here today that is overseas and what they do is there, since there's no laws and regulations there to prevent them from doing that, they drill down deep into the land and they, they pull out the water from the land, and they bottle the water, and they hold it up in their complex. It showed a picture of their complex, and their complex had uh, had gates and and wire all around it where no one could enter it, and it was obviously the wealthiest place there. And they were sucking that water out of the ground, and there were these huts all around this complex the villages where people live, where they can no longer get water from their wells, they can no longer get water out of the ground because the bottling company gets it out of the ground so much deeper. They know how to get the water. And then they sell it back to these impoverished people for the basic necessity of life, which is water. And when they sell it back to these people, they often can't afford it, so they wind up drinking out of mud holes. Now, I didn't say all of that to be an activist about water bottling companies. I said all of that just to say that I see a parallel today with the church, oftentimes that the church can become and often does become a a place where we huddle together with with our walls high around us and where we have the water of life that we can drink so deeply from while people around us in our communities are dying of thirst for the water of life that is so much more important than the physical water. And we have it holed up in our four walls and hold up inside of us. And we do not often release the water of life of Jesus Christ. As I think about that in relation to this passage, I wanted to just point out a few things in this passage as to why I believe that is. Why it is that we oftentimes hold that water inside and oftentimes don't let the water flow out to the people around us. In verse 37, it says this. It says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let them come to Me and drink. See, the problem is, is that people are drinking at the wrong well. People are thirsty, but they're drinking at the wrong well. People are oftentimes drinking at an evil well. If you don't believe me that people are drinking at an evil well, just visit your local bar. And you'll see people there drinking every day at the wrong well, and people are trying to fill this void with alcoholism. People are trying to fill this void with drug addiction. People are trying to fill this void with a wrongful sexual relationships. People are trying to fill this void with an evil well. Well. The problem with an evil well is it's just like drinking seawater. It's just like drinking salt water. If you've ever been to the ocean and you've seen the ocean, you know that it's blue and it's beautiful and it looks like it'd be so great to drink. But if you drink it, it could be deadly. Because as you drink it, the only thing it does is create more thirst. So people are drinking from an evil well. People are also drinking from good wells in the wrong way. People are trying to fill the well uh, inside of them, the thirst inside of them from something that will never quench it. They're trying to fill it with family. They're trying to fill it with good relationships. They're trying to fill it with meaningful work. They're trying to fill themselves with all of these things. But see, all of those things, while good, are not the water of life. That life-giving water. So people oftentimes try to fill themselves with an evil well. Then sometimes people try to fill themselves with a good well. But then oftentimes people try to fill themselves with a mislabeled well. Now, I'm going to go ahead and do something I don't ever do, which is apologize for an illustration before I give it. So I'll need to apologize for my wife, too, uh, because I'm giving this illustration. She'll rebuke me later. But I, I couldn't get away from this thought as I thought, about, as I thought about the idea of a mislabeled well. There was a time when I was a young man before I was following Jesus. I used to ride rodeo a little bit. And we would drive to ride these broncs and drive about an hour, hour and a half to get where we were riding. And I'd ride there with my cousins and, and we were on our way to the arena and as young men do, who aren't following Jesus on the way to the rodeo, we would we would all be chewing tobacco, and we'd all be chewing tobacco and spitting in the community tobacco cup. Okay, this is just to help you for lunch. So we we drive and we for about an hour now we're using this cup, and, and we get there, and my cousin. Jason, he goes and he rides, and he he waited in line for a long time. It's the middle of summer; it's hot down in Florida, and he's he's waiting in line. And finally, he rides, and he's all worked up, and he's hot, and he's sweaty, and he gets off his horse, and he comes, and he goes over to the truck, and he grabs that cup out of the truck, and before anybody could stop him, not that we would have, but before anyone could stop him he grabbed that cup that said McDonald's on it. And he thought it was a nice cold Coca-Cola. And he took a big drink of that and his eyes got real big around. It was an unpleasant experience. And the reason is because it was a mislabeled cup. You know, a lot of people are drinking from a mislabeled well There's a lot of folks going to churches today that just because it says church or Baptist church or Methodist church or whatever it says over the door, that doesn't mean that's what's inside. And there's a lot of Christians living today with the name Christian over their life. And it looks like it ought to be a place where the world can come and and drink of that water of life that's supposed to flow out of us. And it looks like something good, but the content inside the cup with the label is a little bit different than what they would expect with the name of Christian, So some are drinking from an evil well. Some are drinking from a, a good well, but in the wrong way. And some are drinking from a mislabeled well. And it's all because they're drinking from the wrong source. Jesus said, if anyone comes to Him if anyone comes, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Notice he said, Come to me. Come to me. I, I preach in churches all over, and one common theme that I hear oftentimes from believers, and I, I understand, I, I get it, but but let, let me just let me just break it down for a minute for you. I hear people say, Well. I'm just not being fed at my church. I'm just not, I'm just, I'm thirsty at my church. I'm just not being fed. I'm just not drinking deeply from the well. And, 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 I, and, and then they oftentimes then blame the pastor. Or then oftentimes people will come and they'll blame their husband or their wife. Well, can I just tell you that Jesus never promised that we could drink deeply from the water of the pastor, that we could drink deeply from the water of the spouse, that we could drink deeply from the water of anything else. But he did promise us that if we'll drink deeply from him, he said, let them come to me. And if you're thirsty and your thirst is not being quenched, then may I suggest that the problem is that you're not drinking from the right well. Because if you're drinking from the right well, it never ceases to amaze me. I'll go into different churches and, and, and I, I was told Debbie when I came in here, when we sat down, you could immediately sense there's life in this church. You can immediately sense the life. But oftentimes we'll go into a church and... It's just dead as a doornail. But the thing that amazes me is even when I go into a dead church, not like this one, I'll see people and I'll meet people that I can tell have been drinking deeply from the well of Jesus Christ. That they've been drinking deeply from His well. And I think, my goodness, they're not getting it there at that church. They must be getting it from somewhere. And I guarantee you where they're getting it from, they're going directly to the source. They're going directly to the source. He who is thirsty, let him come to Me, He says. But He didn't just say, let him come to Me. He said, let him come to Me and drink. Oftentimes people will come to the right source, but then they won't drink deeply from the well of that source. It's not enough to know that you need to come to Jesus. It's not enough to know that He is the source of the living water, but we must drink deeply from it through prayer and daily time in the Word of God. And if you're thirsty, my friend, and you feel like your thirst just can't be quenched, may I ask you, are you in the Word? Are you reading from the Scriptures daily? Are you drinking each day from the Word through prayer and study of the Word of God? It is a deep, deep well that will quench your thirst like nothing else. He said, let him come to me and drink. And then he says in verse 38, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. See, some folks are drinking from the wrong well, but some folks are believing in the wrong person. They're believing in the wrong person. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I used to have a friend that would always say to me, he'd say, Mitch, you know what's in the well comes out the bucket. You ever heard that before? Jesus said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. I've said oftentimes, and I've, I've heard it preached oftentimes, I've even said it myself from the pulpit, that you can't really ever tell what's in someone's heart. You know, that's not entirely true. It's true that only God can see the heart. It's true that only God can discern the heart. But according to what Jesus just said here, we we can get a glimpse into what the heart of someone is. Because he said here, he said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus repeats this thing throughout. If you read the teachings of Jesus, you'll understand throughout that, that what is inside will eventually come out. If you want to know what's in somebody's heart, just wait long enough to see what comes out of their mouth. Because what's in the heart will eventually come out of the mouth. And he says here, he who believes in me as the Scripture has said, in other words, he who believes in me in a scriptural way, he who believes in me as the promise of the Scriptures, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You see, it's a belief that he's talking about, a belief in a way that changes the way we think, act, and what we do and how we live. It is such a deep belief that it produces this rivers. Notice he didn't just say river. He didn't just say a pond. But he said rivers, plural, of living water that flows out of the heart. You know the crazy thing about a river is a river is unstoppable. A river flows in it is completely unstoppable. You say, wait a minute, pastor. You can dam up a river. Not completely, you can't. Show me a dam that doesn't have a hole in it somewhere that lets some of the water out because if you just dam it up, it will eventually overflow that dam because you can't stop a river. And this is talking about this unstoppable flow, this unquenchable flow that is produced by the Spirit of God living inside of us and that spills out onto everything and everyone around us. You know, no matter what we do, we will have a rivers of water flowing out of us. The question is, what kind of water is flowing? What is coming out of us that is spilling onto everyone else around us? And that is the attitude of the heart. Is it bitterness that is spilling on people around you? Is it anger that's spilling on people around you? Or when people get around you, do they sense the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ flowing as life-giving, fresh quenching, living water. What is flowing out of us? You know, i found the best way to answer that question is to ask my wife. <laughs> She'll tell me the truth. Sometimes the best way we can answer the question of what is flowing out of us is by asking our wife and our children or our husband and our children, ask those who are closest to you that will be honest with you. What spills out of you when you come home from work? What spills out of you when you get up in the morning? What spills out of you whenever things go wrong? Is it living water? Or is it bitterness? Anger? But I believe it's because people are believing in the wrong person. You know, Jesus said, he who believes in me, as the Scriptures have said. You know, we are starting to believe this mantra we've heard on television so much over and over and over again. Just believe in yourself and you can do it. How many times a day? How many times a week? How many times a month do we hear that? How often do we hear that? Everybody says, just believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself and you can do it. Jesus says, oh, no, no. Just believe in me. You know, if you just believe in yourself, it will lead to one of two things. It will lead first to disappointment. Some of you are sitting in here today and can probably relate to it as I can, as you think to yourself, you know what, I've tried believing in myself, and that's what's got me to where I am today. And I don't like where I am today. So first, it can lead to disappointment. The other thing it could lead is to arrogance. Some may be sitting in here today and say, well, I've done it. I've believed in myself and it's got me to where I am today. Friend, no, it hasn't. If you have anything good in your life, Jesus says, and the scripture says in the book of James, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And if you are able to get where you are today by hard work and perseverance, it's because God gave you the mind to work. It's because God gave you the opportunities that are in front of you. It's because God gave you the work ethic. And it's because God gave you the very air that you breathe. And if you think you got there without him, it is arrogance. In the face of God. The fact that we were born with a brain. To get us where we are. In life. Was a very gift. From the God of heaven. And we ought to thank him every day for it. But the world tells us. Just believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself. And it will always lead disappointment, or arrogance, but it will never lead to godliness and righteousness. That only comes through belief in Jesus Christ. So many are drinking from the wrong well. Others are drinking or believing in the wrong person. But in verse 39... We see that some are creating a stoppage at the source. But this He spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in Him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So in verse 39, it tells us why Jesus said the things He said and the context in which He said them. He said He spoke these things concerning the Spirit of God. Because those who who were believing in Him had not yet received the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the day of Pentecost. The Spirit of God had not yet indwelt men until that point. The Spirit of God had come upon men, but it had not. He had not indwelt men and lived inside of men until the time of Pentecost. And so he's speaking of his future time of Pentecost. But I want us to notice very carefully in the bottom of that verse. Where it says, For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now that's talking about Jesus being dying on the cross, raising from the dead, and ascending to the right hand of the Father and sending the promise of Jesus, uh, of the Holy Spirit to us. But I don't want us to miss the principle which is this, and it is that the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And oftentimes the reason the Spirit of God is not flowing through us in our lives is because Jesus has not yet been glorified in our lives by the way we're living our lives. See, the only way to stop a river... To truly stop a river is to stop it at the source. To find the source of that river, the headwaters of that river, and stop it at the source. And you know, we can stop the Holy Spirit of God from flowing through us at the source by muddying up and stopping up our lives with sin and crud and filth, and rocks, and things that get in the way of the Holy Spirit of God living in our life because Jesus Christ is not being glorified in our life, and the Holy Spirit's stamp of approval is not upon it. If you want to have a life that flows rivers of living water and spills out on all of those around you, and if you want to have a, a living relationship with Jesus Christ, where the water flows and where your family recognizes, where the community recognizes it, where your neighbors recognize it, where people recognize it at your workplace, and they know that rivers of living water flow out of it, if you want a life that makes people thirsty, then you've got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and give glory to God in your life. It is the chief purpose of man, the glorification of God. And as we glorify God with our lives and live our lives in a way that brings glory to Him, rivers of water flow out of us. You know, oftentimes we ask ourselves the question, is what I'm doing glorifying God? we ask ourselves the question, is this really wrong, what I'm doing? Is it really wrong to do thus and such? Well, let me tell you, if it doesn't glorify God, the answer is yes, that's wrong. And if it doesn't glorify God, it creates a stoppage of the flow of the Spirit of God in our life in such a way that people who desperately need it can't receive it. So today, have you been drinking at the wrong well? Have you been believing in the wrong person? Or have you been creating a stoppage at the source of life-giving water? If you have, let today be the day you repent. The beautiful thing about that is that one ounce of repentance will open the, and burst the dam of the flood of living water that will flow out of your life and spill onto those around you through a deep, deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Father, we come to you, and we do thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you and praise you for the water of life. We thank you and praise you for the invitation that He who comes, let him drink deeply of the water of life. And I pray now for anyone in here that just needs to come and drink at the well today, that today would be the day they drink deeply. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we enter a time of invitation, as we enter that time, I, w- I want to I share this thought with you. Maybe you're in here somewhere and you've thought about that verse where it says, if any man thirsts, let him come. Maybe you know somebody in your life that you would just say, they're just not thirsty. They're just not thirsty for the things of God. Maybe it's a spouse or a child or someone in your life you've been praying for and you would say, they're just not thirsty. Maybe it's you. You know, I've always heard you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I thought that was true till a friend said, You know what you can do? You can put salt in his oats. And it'll make him thirsty. Jesus said, We are the salt of the earth. We should be so salty that it would make people thirsty. We should be so full of the water of life, that living water flowing out of us, that it makes people thirsty to come and drink deeply. And if you need that water of life today, Jesus stood and He cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me. And during this invitation, I say the same thing to you. If anyone thirsts, Let him come to Jesus and drink deeply of the water of life. We're going to have a time of invitation. If God has dealt with your heart, you come, let's stand together.